coming up next on The Health Hustle. My first day in practice, if you said, what do I want to do? I would have said, well, I want to love patients and I want to be a great chiropractor, said every other chiropractor out there. So it wasn't until like I kind of cemented my growth and who I was as a person. It wasn't until year three or four where I was able to actually like articulate more than those things to you as far as what separates me from someone else. So they got to learn that on their own. And before they start advertising, things like that, it's just going to come across generic. And, you know, I don't think we any of us were meant to be generic. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of The Health Hustle. I'm your host, Corey Hibben, and on this episode, I get a chance to sit down with Sarah Whedon of A Place to Grow Chiropractic. We get into why you should focus on relationships over logistics, what it means to have a practice that is remarkable, the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people, how our mutual mastermind group has helped us to build our own businesses, and how to separate yourself from the competition. If you haven't already, do us a huge favor and please subscribe and write us a review. This show is about helping health and fitness professionals to build a business that fits your lifestyle, and by giving us a review, it helps other people find the show and join us on that journey. Also, if you're looking for tips about designing your website and marketing your health business, sign up for my newsletter at coreyhigh.com. Without further ado, let's go. Uh, let's dive into some of the things that you've learned along the way. So if you were to go back in time and start over, what would you say would be a new way to kind of start your practice or what you'd start thinking about if you were to start your practice over again? I think I was more logistics and I think I would have been more relationship-based. Uh, I, you know, the interesting part is the other half of my practice is very logistics and I'm very relationship, you know, personality wise. So it's always been a good balance, but we took a lot of people who were like coaches, gurus, you know, we know how to build big practices. And really what we learned is everybody has a way of building their own, what they consider to be big practice, right? We're not high volume. You know, I like to spend time with my patients. You know, if they lost a family member or someone's going through an illness, we want to be able to sit with them in that moment. But I think, I think what I've learned most is, of course, everyone has a great skill set to build a big practice, right? But that big practice is not maybe who you are. And I don't think enough time is spent recognizing the big differences between different practices. Not right, wrong, or indifferent. It just is what it is. Dive a little deeper into the relationship piece of it. Would you say that if you were to step away from your business, would that have a pretty big detriment to it just because of the personal relationships that you have with it? Or like, how do you kind of balance that if you're working with other Kairos? Well, it's really interesting that you say that because during the pandemic, you know, in some capacity, we had to start juggling with having a partner. Like my brother-in-law and I are partners, 100%. We started the practice together hundred percent trust him, vice versa. And so during the pandemic, you know, we really had to take a deep dive as why do patients show up to the office? How can we love and serve them during the pandemic? And how do we keep true to who we are as people and as doctors? Because during the pandemic, there was a vast separation between what I felt personally called to do and what I was being called to do as a doctor, right? Logistically, legally wise. So yes, I've already kind of uh, we've already had to kind of wave through that. And the ironic part is the practice continues to grow with me in the practice less or my brother-in-law and more or vice versa, because I mean, people have such a love for who we are um, that we've actually talked about, you know, when we bring on, you know, other doctors, right? How, what is the culture that we want to build? And yes, it's number one, we love chiropractic care, right? We love healthy people. We love people feeling empowered to take good care of themselves. But it's also this idea of like, they can care about me as a person. Like, how is Dr. Sarah doing during the pandemic? You know, I don't know mm -hmm. if you feel that same way with your clients, patients, right? They like genuinely care about how you're doing. And obviously when they're sitting in your space, 
right? Like they're loved to be, the, you know, they're there to be loved on and cared for so that, you know, you're not necessarily going into, well, how many days do you have to digress into my own life stuff? But I will tell you, a patient will stay with us 100% of the time when they feel like I am personally invested in it. And I know there's a lot of docs out there who will tell you, you know, stay by the book, none of your business. You know, I'm here to help you like, and it's very 90 degree angle. And the approach that we've taken in practice has never been that way. Like we send condolence cards. Um, we were just at a funeral last week for a patient of ours who died. I mean, we see the grandparents, we see the mom and dad, we see the aunts, uncles, and we now see the grandkids, right? And for someone who just sees it as a job, right? It really would have been something that like, you know, we're really sorry for your loss. And did we take it to an extreme? I don't know, but staying true to who we are, no matter how big our office has gotten, is like one of our core values. So mm. it's obviously something that a doctor that we would hire would continue on and know that if they asked in a visit with Dr. Beth, whoever it is that we hire, you know, how's Dr. Sarah doing? I hear X, Y, or Z. I would expect Dr. Beth to say, I will be sure to pass along that you said, hello, she's doing great. Right. So it's just a culture we've created, you know, that pe you know people care about. It it's an extension beyond the office, right? It's just so much more than the physical. It's more about, you know, feeling connected and feeling like you got a teammate to help you on your health journey. I like that a lot. And I was actually just having a conversation with another, he's a physical therapist and he has his own private practice. And one of the things that I even pitched at him is just an idea in terms of like, I recognize in like these professions that it's so incredibly valuable about the relationship of just helping one person and letting that kind of grow organically from there. And actually, this is kind of a fun thing that maybe you could try. I was, I was like, I was like, how do you make your practice more remarkable? And I was like, why don't, have you ever tried like even like incense or something, right? Like something that's like, Ooh, I went to the office or I went to the clinic or I saw this person. It's like, and then they had a great smell and then they tie this smell totally. to like that experience. And it's like, totally. Yeah, it Essential seems minor, oils, but. little gift bags. Um, you know, like little personal touches and that's where technology, I mean, you know, way more about technology than I do, but you know, we had to weigh the pros and cons of using more technology in our office because sometimes more technology depersonalizes what you're trying to do. So, you know, when, you know, we've worked with different coaches before, it's like, what parts of our processes, procedures, can we streamline and use technology for efficiency sake? And what process and procedures, like culturally who we are, require us to like stop and, and do it. And for me, it's like a pen and paper, um, welcome to the office. So every new patient that comes into our office gets a pen and paper, welcome to the office in my handwriting, written by me. They're on my desk every morning when I come in, I know exactly what they're for. I even address the envelope on the outside because I think that's strange, strange, strange. If you're gonna write the note, you gotta take the two seconds to look up the address. That just seems complete like, and that's probably my mom's, you know, like very etiquette oriented self, but everyone gets a welcome card. And, you know, a lot of people would say it's a waste of time. People don't care. And I think getting something in the mail handwritten is very important. So, uh, yes, something uh, you have to be careful with smells. So I don't wear perfume or anything like that at the office, but something like uh, like you had said, health oriented, you know, stress relieving, relaxing. Sometimes it's music. So in the office, every once in a while, you can tell who's been practicing the day before, because I mean, my brother-in-law that I practice with loves country music. Uh, and as much as we like to keep it the normal um, waiting room vibe, you know, no, no words or anything like that. Every once in a while, we'll get like a fun hip hop station that they've edited out the words 
or will you know my brother-in-law will loves country music i mean it's just so fun because patients are like i mean you will see them like just resonate with it and then all of a sudden you know it's a conversation piece and then it's like well what do you do to relax right and then they'll say well i really love music and it just whether it's a smell or music or you know a personal handwritten note you know people vibe with that stuff and it opens up conversation for you to go deeper than surface level on how are you feeling today mm, especially if you spell their name right that's such a pet peeve of mine i don't know why i think it's a pet peeve of mine because everybody spells my name corey without the e and it drives me nuts but just to go back in terms of like uh early practice type days how did you get your first client or patient and do you remember that experience and what did you learn from it I do actually. So it was in a practice that was not my own. I, at that point, I don't think I had the gumption to do it my own because everybody that I had talked to was like, why would you go into practice by yourself and all this, that, and the other. And so I ended up syncing up with a doc, you know, who kind of sold me the world, right? Like we're going to bring you in and you're going to do all these things. And my naivete at that point was like, I'm here for it. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, she was in her nineties. My first patient in their office was like a 90 year old woman. And I will take, I will take people who genuinely want to receive love and get better and take good care of themselves all day, every day. Mm. But it was a tad intimidating, you know, right out of the gate, first patient without any guidance of sort being in her nineties, she had a uh, medication list a mile long, and yet she was like so happy and she was convinced that of the first 90 years of her life that getting adjusted now for the first time in her 90s was going to like change the trajectory of her life and so that first experience really brought to light this idea of mind over matter i actually thought about her about six months ago just you know the idea like given how much time has passed she probably has passed as well right obviously i'm no longer with that practice but she was such a bright spot. Like I've got patients who are a third her age who have no sense of awareness around them, maybe like how their energy affects other people's days or how they show up or anything like that. And so I, I think of her fondly and it also helped with my mindset in recognizing that whether you're, you know, two days old, 15 or 93 years old, right? Like something has, something can be gained to make life better. And I think sometimes it's just an attitude adjustment for people, but they're showing up at the office. So clearly they want, they want to be better and I want to help them do that. So did you, did you give her the life-changing experience that she expected from your one treatment with her or no? I don't, I want to say no, only mm -hmm. because, you know, kind of like physical therapy, right? Going to the gym, getting your yeah. teeth clean. Like you just, just don't go do it. You don't, you don't just go do it once. No, we did not. She did not come back with a gold star and tell me that I had changed her life forever. But I will tell you though, it encouraged me to just show up for people, whether they see me once 12 times or whether they, they will become lifelong patients. I choose to believe that there was something in that visit, even aside from the adjustment that helped propel her life in a positive direction. And for me, that's good enough, right? Like that's exactly what I'm looking for. I love that. Yeah. And you clearly have just like such a heart for relationships, which is so much of like everything you've brought to this table at this point, which I think is amazing. What's Very one thing you wish you, yeah, for sure. What's one thing you wish you knew before you began your business? That it being difficult doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. <laughs> it seems like, I mean, and I don't say that to limit myself or to um, say that I, we can't do things that require, you know, us to lean into discomfort or uncertainty. 
but it's, it literally felt like every time we got one area of the office figured out, like something else would completely fall apart. And you know, where your where your focus goes, your energy goes. And so it was just never like this, you know, I think that was one of the most challenging parts that I kind of had to zone out every seminar conference that you went to literally what it sounded like was I built my practice in two days and I see 5,000 patients an hour and I, I make a million dollars every second. And I know I'm being exaggerative, but it just, it was one of those things where it was like, where are the people who are doing the day-to-day -day like we are, who are good people, who are trying to lead by example, who are, you know, trying to spend energy in useful ways. And I, honestly, I, I have to say that if I had to do it all over again, I would do everything the exact same way other than listen to how my practice, our practice is supposed to be or how fast it's supposed to grow or what it means if it doesn't grow at a certain rate. Um, Cause that got us the first couple of years where we would look at each other we, after we got off like coaching calls and stuff like that. And, you know, if it was a great week or it wasn't such a great week and like the things that people were saying to us, as far as the way we should receive coaching, I mean, it almost made it sound like we weren't coachable and we're like, we're very coachable. You should see the list of notes and like the masterminding we're trying to do when we're not on the calls just to get on a call and say, and have someone say, yeah, sorry, you guys just didn't really hear me last week, or you guys just really don't want it bad enough. And I mean, you know, I've been through bouts of health ups and downs. And so is my brother-in-law and like, we're done trading, you know, our health for that. So there has to be some sort of middle ground, which is kind of where you and I had met just this idea that changing your energy, changing what you focus on really does help to open new doors because I if I kept working at the pace that I was working at and he, and he kept working at the pace that he was working at, I mean, the longevity of us and what we were actually trying to create would have counterbalanced each other, right? Mm -hmm. They would have canceled each other out. So how difficult it was going to be, how worthwhile it still is, even though it was out of the, out of the gate, relatively difficult. Yeah. And I can a thousand percent relate. Obviously I work with a lot of people that are newer in their business. And it's something I always find myself reminding them is like, I try to compare it to that of like, well, well, how old is your quote unquote child or your baby or your business? And they're like, well, I've been doing this for like a year. It's like, you're expecting a one-year-old to get up and run a marathon when they're one years old. It's like, you got to play the game and let them grow a little bit. People try to rush it. Well, and on a totally different note, but uh, my brother-in-law graduated a year after I did, right? And at that point, him and my sister were not even engaged, right? So this was kind of like, a, well, I plan to marry your sister. And my whole family thought this was very like, oh my gosh, this is the worst idea ever. But we were literally in practice together in January. My mom was diagnosed with cancer that February and she died in that August. So when, you know, like I, I keep looking back, like, how, how we always said we would never start a practice if we had to prioritize something else. Right. But then all of a sudden I had to prioritize something else. Right. Cause my, someone needed to take my mom to the hospital or she fell. And like, I think what I learned in that situation, as far as being difficult is I can do difficult things. And you, if you surround yourself with the right people, it makes it worthwhile. So like, I literally would say mom just fell. Cause I mean, you know, he kind of got, he already, he was already married into the family before they ever got married. Right. He had all the rights and privileges that we had because he was, went through it. I still, to this day, have such an, an admiration for him because no questions asked, right. Family always comes first. 
And that's also something we learned. It can be really difficult. You have to prioritize. And sometimes patients just will understand, you know, the necessity to do so. And so patients to this day still are like, I'm so glad that you did what you did and that you had each other to bounce off of. Yeah. And I was just going to say too, I feel like that's one of the things that I I have a friend of mine who works with a partner as well. And I think it's one of the things that you can share along with the journey and your patients or clients or whoever you're working with can be a part of that with you too. Because ultimately at the end of the day, like you were saying earlier, is like the relationship is everything, whether it's a client or patient, a family member, whatever it is. And it's like, they'll understand if they're a human and they want a relationship with you. And if they don't, then they're not your person anyways. And I don't think we need to get hung up on that. I had, you know, just so many little moments, but um, I was out of the office about a month ago and I get a, I get a text message from Rodney, my brother-in-law. I talked to him more than I swear I talked to anybody else in my life. And it's nobody weird. It's not weird to anybody because um, we just talk all the time. He sent me a video of one of, of uh, a, a woman we care for who fell in love with, with chiropractic. And now we see both of their daughters and now she's pregnant with a third. And like, he took the time and she took the time to make this little video to just say, hi, I'm thinking of you. We haven't seen you in a while. And both girls waved at me that I mean, I mean, like I was unexpected, you know, it's not like they're like, oh yeah, you know, Lisa's coming in at four o'clock today. Can you just be by your phone? It was just, you know, they, they just genuinely, it was their way of blessing someone else's day. And so I 100% believe that relationship-based care is the only way for us to do it. Have you found, I mean, it sounds like I might know the answer to this question, but have you found uh, word? I mean, obviously word of mouth is the majority of your practice, but have you found any other avenues that have you found uh, useful or beneficial for kind of reaching more people, especially like earlier in your business? Were there things that you had to do when you were like trying to get more people to kind of build relationships? And like, what did that look like? That's kind of a sour subject for me, only because I think sometimes the cost to benefit ratio is far too high. So Organic, yes, has been the most useful for us because, I mean, that's honest, you know, some of the automated systems that we've used at the office as far as generating reviews has been helpful. But I mean, I remember a time where it was like, yeah, we're going to come in and we're going to do these, all these ads and um, we're going to create all these like landing pages. And I mean, by time all it was said and done to have to do the videos to have to take the time to come up with the content. Because remember, you're just coming up with random content. What grabs Tom is different than what grabs Joe is what, you know, like, and so what became challenging for us is then it's like our identity has to get nailed down to three bullet points. And if you don't nail those three bullet points, then your practice is not going to grow. And it it started to become a mind game for us because I'm like, I don't really know if this is, I mean, like, because I am relatively, you know, off the cuff fluid person, right? So I could get on a video and talk about a lot of really thing, a lot of things that I'm really passionate about. I think, I think referrals are tough too. You know, to me, sometimes that feels really incongruent, you know, so I, it's, it's more of a vibe, right? If someone's like, listen, I got a friend who's not feeling great. I'll just be like, I'd really love to meet them. Right. And you know, if there's something I can do to help, let me know. But no, as of right now, I have not found anything other than, you know, staying up, keeping a Facebook page current, partially just for those that love us, they can keep up on us. Community events, you know, maybe a, a, a completely unconventional route, but, you know, we dropped our foot in the, in the deep end right out of the gate and said, you know, if we want to be known as community-based chiropractors, right, we want to love and serve the community, 
right out of the gate, we didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of time, right? And so we just had said, we're not going to just say no to things. So if, if we got int- invited to a dinner or an auction or to speak somewhere, right? We said yes, automatically, right? We wanted to be out. We wanted to be seen. You know, it got to the point where like, we couldn't even go out to dinner without, you know, someone being like, hey, good to see you, which I love, right? I absolutely love that. You just can't practice in the town that you actually see patients in then. Because, you know, I'm... I don't know if I'm an extrovert or an introvert, but every once in a while, you just need to be able to check out too. So you don't want to be rude or mean or anything like that. But I would say community involvement. I think giving and serving um, speaks a lot to who people are and, you know, why would we not give of the resources that we have? And so if we can help someone else, chiropractor or otherwise, why would we not? And people just started to notice that about us. And I mean, I now commentate our parade every year. So, you know, thousands of people see it, you know, I talk about floats coming down the parade route and Santa Claus. And I mean, you know, it's an unpaid gig, but they look to me every year. I have a um, co-host there. So there's just things that over the years, I don't know how it just happened, but we did, you know, I did it one year and we weren't horrible at it. And so now every year, I mean, every year it gets better. You know, we dress up, we do the things, we do the planning and the organizing. And I mean, now our input is actually valued rather than us just being people who stand in. We're like part of the event now. Mm-hmm. So I, I think just be, as people, right, letting the community, letting your patients know you as a person is a very good way to grow your practice rather than, you know, Facebook or, you know, I don't even know about Instagram. I, yeah. it's like, a, it's like an illegal word for me. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't want to get it. Someone else can get it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it, it just says a lot to like the power of just having your roots dug deep into your local community. And it sounds like you practice from what I believe in an area where you grew up. So it's been good for you to kind of really dig some deep roots with family and friends and community and get involved. And like, just having those relationships has been like the golden ticket to what has clearly been a number of success for you. So we had actually originally connected just for reference for people through a mastermind group. And I would be curious as to this was mastermind group was more or less about uh, personal branding and really kind of getting your face out there. What have you kind of gathered from that? And like, what has that grown into? And how has that kind of helped your practice? I think my the most useful thing I pulled out of it is uh, working with other like-minded people in different arenas will catapult anything you're trying to do exponentially. I think there was a synergy, you know, we only got on calls every other week and we pinged each other to ask questions or to support each other, whatever the case may be. But I mean, you and I, before we even started recording, talking about, you know, are we going to the event coming up and everybody would love to see everybody else and just touch base. I mean, you said you've got several projects still going on with people. And I think showing up as as you are, I think is also really important. You know, some of the things that I shared with the mastermind group is just this idea of how do you know if you're good enough to do X, Y, or Z, right? Like I'm a chiropractor. I think I'm a pretty decent chiropractor, right? So like I can put a checkbox next to that, but like all the other projects that I had mentioned on the, on the group calls, it's like, how do you know? And then, you know, everyone else would chime in and would be like, I don't know what you see in yourself, but when we hear you and when we, you know, are on these calls, there is zero doubt in my mind that you can't go on to do this. And I just don't think that people are surrounding themselves with the people that are going to help get them to where they want to go. Not even, I mean, not even financially, right. To be a good parent, to be a good spouse, just to be a good person. I think that we get sucked into the idea of like, these are people have been in my life forever. And I think, you know, and this is how I'm supposed to do things. And for me, it helped reframe. I'm not supposed to do anything. I'm, I, I do what I feel called to do, 
which may be different than what I thought my expectation would have been. Do you feel like you were in a different mastermind than what I just described? No, it sounds spot on. And it's found, it sounds like, I mean, realistically, it's a place to kind of be yourself and then to have people. I, I always talk about it in like the difference between the white magic and black magic of like words have a lot of power and like groups like this, especially with the right people can instill a lot of growth in people being like, yeah, you can do that. Like, what are you talking about? Why do you have so much resistance around that? And just having that has been a profound experience for me personally. Well, and I can, I literally can say with every person that's been on this mastermind, Anytime a question came up, needing help with something, uncertainty with something, like I can literally unequivocally say that everybody no questions asked said, why don't we hop on a call? How can I help you? This is my area of expertise. Like nobody was coming from a place of lack. Like what is Sarah going to provide for me in order to, to provide her value? It was just, this is how we roll. Um, I mean, as a matter of fact, you and I hopped on a call. And you had said, how can I help you? And something that I had been wrestling with for like what felt like 12 years, you and you helped me solve in 10 minutes. So that energy and time that I would have taken to figure it out was eliminated. And, you know, I've got good people and good friends from it. And you don't, you don't see that just everyday people, you know, they're not working on themselves. They don't want to do better. They don't want to lead by service you know, it's what, what can I get from it? And, you know, one of the questions when we signed up to do this mastermind is what are you willing to contribute? Cause they didn't really care what you wanted to take. They wanted to care. They cared about like, how can you add value to these other, other wonderful human beings that are here to love and serve the planet in their own capacity too. Mm, I like that a lot. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I mean, just having the mindset of service, no matter what the situation is, is going to come back in fruition, no matter what. I want to circle back to what you were saying about just like the networking piece and building relationships and really connecting with people. I'd be curious as to kind of the growing pains of that. So you were talking about there's a chance of trying to bring somebody else into the clinic and maybe hiring somebody else and making sure they're the right fit. It feels like a growing pains kind of situation of like making sure they are the kind of person that has the same culture as you. Yes. Uh, what's kind of the future look like for you guys and how have you figured that out? So the saga continues as far as uh, Rodney's sister is also a chiropractor. And so uh, we actually helped her get licensed in Michigan for the time. I mean, if we go on a family vacation, right? Well, who goes, the daughter or the son-in-law? You know, what we used to do is, well, we can only go for short stints because we can't both be out of the office, which then turned into, well, then that's not really a family vacation because now he's an equal part in the family as I am. So his sister got her Michigan license so that way she could love and serve our patients. And would you know that they like her more than they like us? Like we were so, I mean, there was no hesitation or reservation about her being awesome with patients or like loving them. But when we came back, you know, I guess we were like, you know, well, I'm glad we're back. And, you know, how, how did it go? And just, be, you know, because apparently I'm that much of a selfish person, but and, you know, she kind of like sloughed it off like it was great. Your people were great and it was great and we had no issues. And then we, we start rolling in with patients and all of a sudden, you know, we kind of took the tone of, you know, we just wanted to take some downtime. We love loving on you, but we just needed to regroup. And before we could even get that out, they were like, we love her. She's just so great. And I'm thinking in my head, like, well, that was easy. So wow. I don't think she's going to, I don't think she'll become a permanent part of the office, right? She's got her own office and she's doing great things on her own. But it really helped open our eyes to the idea that we have to trust and then they're either going to fit or they're not going to fit. And the worst thing that happens is we just 
bless them on their journey and we part ways. You know, some people have been recently hiring. You know, I have so many chiropractors, women, men who just, you know, we're always bouncing ideas off of each other. Right. And, uh, you know, I recently had a doc who was like, you know, I'm putting out, I really want a female doc, all this, that, and the other stuff. Long story short, once she opened it up, I'll take a female or a male doc, right? All of a sudden this magically wonderful male doc came into fruition and she offered him the job. And so I don't know exactly what it has down the pipeline for us. I think for both of us, you know, working on our business versus work being in our business is a goal for both of us. Probably during the pandemic is really not a great time to talk about it. Because although I feel like I practice less during the pandemic, I feel like I work more right? Just because there's just so many gaps that we have to fill as far as I sit on the PR committee for the Michigan Chiropractic Association. And, you know, there's only certain things you can talk about, right? With the pandemic and, you know, the COVID and I don't even like saying that word anymore because that's not the universe that I live in. But, you know, there's so many regulations. You can't even talk about health, you know, out in the world anymore without, you know, the police coming and saying, sorry, you can't say that. And so it's been a really challenging time because we have a wellness practice. We have patients who come in and they're in pain, but they stay with us because they get it right. That like health is wealth, you know, so cliche, but like you can't do anything else in life if you're sick. Well, all of a sudden the rug got pulled out from us because that's all we talk about, right? We don't talk about pain management in the office. Yeah, we have people who come in for pain and now you can't talk about it because it now violates, you know, and then there was a certain point in time where we couldn't see wellness patients. We could only see a patient if they were, so in so much pain that they were headed to the emergency room or something crazy like that. And again, that's where my earlier comment of me as a person versus me as a doctor, like there was a lot of nights where you just, you know, you had to sit there and say, you know, what is it that I'm called to do? Cause my patients who were wellness patients took giant steps back during the pandemic because, you know, we were forcibly not allowed to see them. Hmm. So that's, you know, you reconcile that and you just keep going. Would you say in all your years of practice that the pandemic has been the most challenging thing to work through? Or have you had other moments where it felt like the world's going to end, I guess? You grow and then you realize all the possibilities in that new growth that you didn't realize were there before. So like sometimes I look back and I'm like, I think we're taking a step back, right? But what I realize is we're just expanding and growing. And now what we want is different than what we wanted back then, right? It's more expansive. I think trusting ourselves historically in different situations was a big pain point, far greater than the pandemic, right? Trusting, trusting how we want to run, run a practice, trusting our flow, not letting outside noise of what it should look like, like I mentioned earlier, infiltrate you know, how we felt about ourselves as in practice. That's good. I mean, I think that's something that I definitely personally could use a lot of work on is just like trusting that instinct and that intuition and kind of your flow and your vibe. I had a post recently that just talked about how business is a lot like surfing in the sense that like you kind of ride surfing is like you can do it your own way. There's certain waves you want to ride. There's some waves you shouldn't ride. And it's just like you you find your own style and your own way of trying to do it. it sounds like you've really tapped into what that looks like for you personally, which Clearly sounds like it's been a good success from you. I have one more question, but before I do, where can people find you? Obviously you said you're on Facebook. You can find, find you. So at we have, a, we do have a Facebook page, but I would love, it just hasn't been updated as of, of yet. Um, they can find me on my personal page, which is Sarah Whedon. All the other pages that you can find me at are all a work in progress. Hopefully I'll have a website up by you sooner rather than later. But <laughs> as of right now, you know, we're kind of in flux. They have health questions. 
I had mentioned to you earlier, I've been tapping into the corporate market um, for personal reasons and really just love the idea of being able to help um, in that capacity. So there's a lot of fun projects that I'm working on that I really feel called to do that will be coming down the pipeline. Cool. And if anyone is in Rochester, Michigan, that would be where your clinic is at, correct? Yep. So we moved to Rochester Hills about two years ago, but Rochester, Rochester Hills, one of the same. Cool. Uh, so final question is, if you were newer to business and you wanted to start a practice and you're trying to get your things going and you're like, man, do I need an LLC? Do I need a website? Do I need to buy a clinic or what, what does that look like? If you were trying to figure that out and you're starting over, what would you say would be your best piece of advice or one takeaway somebody could get that would just get them moving in the right direction? Trust your own process. So if I had to do it all over again, you and I had talked about websites, you know, personal branding, you know, the website we did was very generic. There has to be a reason why people want to come see you rather than anybody else, right? And so I think the, your method, how you show up for people, whether it's you post on Facebook or you like Instagram or you don't do any of those things and you are a traveling doctor, I just think you have to, you have to find your own vibe and go with it and let go of all the expensive techie stuff. Save that for once you have a flow, right? So if my first day in practice, if you said, what do I want to do? I would have said, well, I want to love patients and I want to be a great chiropractor, said every other chiropractor out there. So it wasn't until like I kind of cemented my growth and who I was as a person. It wasn't until year three or four where I was able to actually like articulate more than those things to you as far as what separates me from someone else. So they got to learn that on their own. And before they start advertising, things like that, it's just going to come across generic. And, you know, I don't think we, any of us were meant to be generic. Totally agree. I, I often have that conversations with people that I work with of just like finding your voice and finding your uniqueness, because I think a lot of times we try to put off some professional image that is fake and people pick up on it immediately and it flops. And so I would a thousand percent agree. I want to thank you for your time, Sarah Whedon. This has been fabulous. It is always a pleasure to connect with you and uh, we'll chat soon. Before you go, I just want to say thank you for listening to the show, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you're looking for more advice on how to market your health business and need help with your website, you can find all my information at coreyhigh.com. Thanks again, and keep hustling, my friends.